Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on episode 258 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Maserati Levante Trofeo, the Toyota Corolla Hatchback, Mazda Miata RF, an American-made VW ID4, expanded Super Cruise Network, Toyota offering to buy back EVs, and more. All that coming up next. This is episode 258 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abuol Samich from Guidehouse Insights. I'm Nicole Wakelin from the Fast Women Podcast. And I'm Roberto Baldwin from Ars Technica. And uh, Robbie, you apparently again don't have anything in your driveway. So do you not drive I'm, cars at all anymore? I'm on I'm on like a car uh, sabbatical just because I have so much work to do. And some of it is actually review cars that I just haven't had a chance to write up. And the other is the fact that I have other work that I have to do. And if I have a car, then I want to drive the car. And then of course I, I need to drive the car. And so I'm like, <laughs> as a adult. I'm trying to do adult things, and the adult thing right now is to not have any cars for a few weeks until it I've caught up. Being a grown-up, I know it's Aww. and it's horrible. It's not well. It's not so bad because I get to drive my it's BRZ overrated. around. <laughs> so I'm like, we. I'm enjoy- I I really really love driving the B- my BRZ. So it's like it's totally fine actually. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, of fun little. Uh, two-seater or or should be two-seater cars uh what have you been driving me <laughs> miss nicole um well it, despite my typing uh volkswagen miata in the show notes i am not driving that <laughs> that is not a vehicle i am driving the mazda miata or the mx5 they like to call it now right you don't call it a you don't call it a miata isn't that the thing uh, it'll always be miata it's I always going to be miata and so weird thing decision to, to I know I'm like part. it has it's such a no name it'd be like saying I'm not gonna call it Mustang anymore we're gonna call it like something no it's Mustang's a Mustang and people know the name so anyway so I'm driving the Mazda Miata uh, I had that it was it was kind of a crazy week because we also had the, uh, the New England Motor Press had their ragtop ramble this week so I drove that and drove other things and drove back and forth and then having I'm in car number four for the week um, so it's been crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. You have, that's why I, I don't have no cars, and Nicole has. I got she's four picking cars. up the slack. Well, Nicole's speaking speaking slack. of the ragtop ragtop ramble, I, I, I was looking at the pictures you were posting on Instagram. Uh huh. None of the cars there were actually ragtops. Well, this no, some of them were ragtops. The problem with the whole ragtop ramble concept is that there are not a lot of convertible cars out there and the OEMs want to participate, and we like that. So it, it it's it's the idea is if you have a ragtop, send it. But if you don't have one... Send whatever you got. Send what send. you got that you think will be fun for all of us to drive. So, I mean, like, we had, you know, Ram 1500s. We had Fords. We had a little bit of everything. But G-Wagons. Yeah. How, G-Wagon. Okay, so the Ram 1500. Did you just put people in the back and boom, racked up? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Technically, the he's the biggest ragtop of them all. Um, so yeah, the so the idea is. Well, if you have usually, the if you have the, yeah. the big panoramic sunroof, you know, you open you that almost up. It's have sort a of kind of like a ragtop. Kind, kind of like a ragtop. Yeah, yeah, but with less wind in your hair. So I have the Miata, which actually, technically not a ragtop, but it's oh, yeah, the convertible. RF. Yeah, I have the RF. The RF. Oh my God, the RF. If you could see the face that Sam just gave me, like, what kind of bastard child are you driving this week? (laughs) You should just got a a BRZ. If that's a, if you're getting the RF, just get the BRZ. So, but it was so fun. So I had that to drive around for just like a very short time at the house at home. Before then, I went on the ramble and drove other cars, and then have a, yet a third car in my drive, a fourth car in my driveway because I have to do a drive program on Sunday from my house to where I'm going. So I've driven the Miata plenty of times, and I, it's kind of funny. I feel like reviewing the Miata. You either, oh look, he even put RF in the show notes just to make sure. Oh, no it's just, just, it's just for, for, for just my reference when, like, I, when I do the notes and the, the when I publish later. It has just appeared as we're talking. <laughs> um, so it's you know the Miata is a little two seater convertible. It is. Tiny. I mean, I, Sam, I don't even know how you get into that. It is so, it is small. It is small. It is smally, small, small. My husband at 6'3 was like, oh, dear God, how how do I get into this? Well, I, I, I actually, I drove, the last time I drove an RF uh, was in May at the uh, Mama Spring Rally at Road America. Mm-hmm. And they had an RF there as one of the cars that we could drive on the track. Okay. Um, and the, the downside is, you know, that on the track, we have to wear a helmet. Um, and oh, because gosh. it was, because right. it was a, a rainy day, we couldn't drive the RF with the top open. So I got in oh this thing God. and it's like, I'm <laughs> kind of sitting there with my head cocked to one side, oh. you know, to, to fit You know, I, I pulled the seat as far forward as I could and yep. declined it as much as I could, you know, so my knees were up around the steering wheel and it was, <laughs> it was probably the first non-good, uh, Miata experience I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, it, you know, if you are, if you plan to to do track days with a Miata RF, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're, you know, sufficiently or have sufficiently little physical stature that you'll actually fit. Yeah. Um, because it's a tight either, car. Either that, or you'll need to like take the seat out and take, you know, get get some different uh, brackets, you know, so you can actually lower the seat in the yeah. chassis. And, so you can it's fit. it's so it's it, but you know it's it is definitely a two seater for not tall people, uh, but it is very fun. I mean, it has a great little manual transmission. It is so much fun to drive. Um, it's and I you know the the upside to having the RF that Sam apparently hates is I don't because, hate it. Okay. I, I, it's just not good for with a helmet not, with the top <laughs> closed. I don't. I don't know. The yeah. eye roll when I said it was the hard top was like I, oh. You know, I always prefer the soft top. <laughs> yes. It so, is a Miata. It yeah. is that's the whole Miata. weird thing. It's, it's, so when you see, I mean, when I, I see someone who bought the RF, I'm like, really? That's what you know. What? It was right. funny today. I literally Fine. saw someone who bought one here. I like today one coming toward me in the same color and everything. I was like, why did you do that? Like, I wanted to ask him, like, nothing. Like, why did you choose that? Why did? Why was that your choice? I just got out of that. Why did you choose that? So I feel well, like I'm, I mean, to, to to give you a point of reference, you know, my my feelings when it comes to Miatas, the license plate on my Miata is drive open. Okay. So, uh, all right, there yeah. Go. So, and as I'm like picking on it, kind of a lot. I actually <laughs> love a car. The car, it's very fun to drive. It has a very limited use case. You know, if you live in the Northeast, it's going to be impossible to utilize the open top situation or even drive it. I think on the streets a good portion of the year because it's it's a sporty low car. It is not designed for something that where there's a snow that you can 
have to drive through because I can't. I, I have to it. disagree with that opinion. Do you? Can you really drive through deep snow in this? Well, Sam? not not deep snow, but like, you can certainly drive just... it with winter tires on there. You can absolutely drive a Miata year round. Oh well, I mean, you can like on the snow with the winter tires, but like all I see, I always think about like living. And then, and you live in Michigan, so you can. Yeah. Just, it's not just a matter of like snow on the road. It's how deep is the snow on the road, and how deep is the snow as the roads cross over as you're at an intersection where you have those sort of berms of snow from the plows, where suddenly there's, you know, like a foot and a half of well, snow see, see, the, to the, drive the key through. here is you have to remember that the Miata is a momentum car. It's all about the momentum because it's not it's not so, exceptionally powerful. So if you're so driving it on a track or an autocross, you got you want to. Do things so you maintain your momentum. The same mm-hmm. thing is true when you're driving it in snow. You know, as long as the snow is not more than about four inches deep, you're good. Well, see, keep like moving. four inches deep is not very much snow. I we very often have more than four inches of snow oh, okay. in a given moment. So it would. So I I would fear for its safety, not the safety of the, just like the poor car would get destroyed the first time it met a snowbank full of ice that I tried to drive through getting out of the grocery <laughs> store parking lot. Like I destroy the front end. But it is. It's it's really fun. It's really cute. It is. Um, I love that they, and I don't know how many cars do this. Is it because of the whole convertible thing that everything comes through the speakers in your head? Like everything was in the headrest. So when I, like, I made a phone call, it's not speakers in the car. It's the speakers in the headrest. So you can very clearly hear everyone, which is kind of cool. I like that. I think they should all kind of do that, honestly. Yeah, uh, actually, the, the Miata was one of the first cars to ever have headrest speakers like that. Um, and they, in the early years, they were optional. Yeah. Um, and mine came from the factory without those, but you, you can you can unzip the the top part of the the seat, yeah. and if you open it up, you can see in the foam there's actually cutouts for the speakers. Oh no! And so way. I I installed speaker the headrest speakers in mine and ran them to the stereo because um, yeah those when you awesome. when you are driving with the top down as you should in such yes, a car as we've then, established you know, having, having all the times. audio right behind your head makes it much easier to hear. Yeah, it was really cool. I thought that was neat. And it's, it's, it's like, I don't know what other cars do that right now, but it was just so perfect. I'm like, this is great. Like, in a, in, you know, even if you have the top up, it's loud. You know, convertibles aren't quiet. So to have that right at your ears instead of filling the tiny little cabin, I thought it was pretty neat. Um, very fun to drive. Uh, just cute. Makes you smile when you see it. Happy car. I liked it. It's, you know, the, the thing is with if you're buying something like Miata, you're, you're committing to the idea that you're, cool with the fact that it's small it's for two people the cup holders are impossible um it's a little you know can be a little bit loud but like man for the days you can drop that top and you can enjoy the sun worth it worth it so worth it absolutely yeah so i am a fan despite picking on it i am a fan of the miata well the 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 miata rf is by no means a bad car it is just the the least great miata Oh, that's yes, a good that's way to good, put it. That, that's, that, that's definitely what it <laughs> is. Well least, said. Well said, the, Sam. It's the least great Miata. And that was, unfortunately, that was the only, we did not have any uh, soft top Miatas at the Ramble. But I did, I brought it down there. And then I drove, I had two more cars that I got to drive that were fantastic. Anything you want to tell us about or you want yes, to save those? I, I can save it for later. I can tell you about it now. What would you okay. like? Well, we'll, sa- we'll save it for later. Okay. Oh. All right. Um, well, since Robbie didn't have anything to drive this week, I had two, um, and and they were you know really they, they were basically the same car. Um, you know, they Completely both had the four wheels, an internal yes. combustion engine, uh, a step ratio transmission. They had four doors and a hatchback, so you know they were basically the same, right? 
Totally the same. I'm looking at the description. <laughs> Nothing different between these two vehicles, guys. They're both 22-inch model year cars. Um, mm-hmm. Toyota Corolla hatchback and Maserati Levante Trofeo. Yeah, totally so, the same. Yeah, exactly absolutely the same. The same. <laughs> which, which one do you want to hear about first? The let's Toyota Corolla. About, I was going to say, let's hear about the Corolla first. <laughs> okay. So the, the Corolla, um, this is the hatchback version of the Corolla, um, which you know, is quite a bit more sporty looking than the, uh, than the sedan. Um, and it's, it's actually quite, uh, quite fun to drive. You know, this is definitely you know, of the better to drive a slow car fast variety. Uh, this is not the Corolla GR by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's, uh, it, it is not exceptionally quick. Um, and it's also not exceptionally large, but it's 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 more than adequate. Uh, it's got a two-liter four-cylinder naturally aspirated engine uh, with uh, let me find it here. I think it's about 158 horsepower, or sorry, 168 horsepower, and 151 foot-pounds of torque, which peaks at 4,800 RPM. So, not a whole lot of low-end torque in this thing. Um, but you know, it's also relatively lightweight. So, and because you have a manual transmission, it's pretty easy to, to chirp the front tires, get the, get the front tires going. Um, and you know, manual transmission, very nice, uh, six speed. Um, it's the, the transmission, this is, this is by no means, you know, uh, like a GTI or a Civic SI, uh, in terms of the quality of the transmission. It's got relatively long throws to it. It's a fairly long shift lever, uh, but it's still a manual and, you know, that forgives a lot of other issues. Um, so, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking for something that's, that's reasonably enjoyable to drive, not too expensive, uh, you know, you can get the, the hatchback, the Corolla hatchback, uh, starting about 21 and a half thousand, which is, puts it at the, the low end of what's available now in terms of new cars, assuming you can find one. Um, <laughs> The one I had was was an XSE, uh, which is the the higher trim level, and it uh, came out to a grand total of uh, where is it here, um, twenty five thousand nine hundred and fifty four dollars uh, delivered. Um, since uh, you know I was making full taking taking full advantage of the the manual transmission and kind of thrashing it around a little bit. I didn't quite uh, hit the, the EPA label numbers for it. Uh, it's rated at uh, <clears throat> 28 miles per gallon city, 36 highway, 31 combined. I got about 28 um, in all-around driving, including a fair bit of, of highway driving. Um, you know, if I had been a little more tame with it, I could have gotten into the into the low 30s pretty easily. Um, but, uh, you know, this is... Uh, I also, I like the, the, the paint... Uh, on this one, the, the color combination. It was uh, the two-tone uh, that uh, Toyota offers on this with the black roof and then um, this kind of lighter, bright blue uh, lower, so everything from the, the belt line down is blue. Uh, I like that. A, I've seen a, what you're talking about. Yeah. I think it looks good. I like the two-tone, too. It looks yeah, good. Yeah, it's, it's a sharp combination. Um, one of the, uh, you know, this is a compact hatchback, uh, but... While it is nominally in the same class as cars like the uh, the Honda Civic hatchback, um, it's actually a fair bit smaller. It's about six inches shorter, and when you look at it in profile, you can see that the the rear end is m- much shorter than on the uh, the Civic hatchback, for example. So it's got a shorter wheelbase by several inches, and then basically there's very little rear overhang. 
um, which, you know, from a design standpoint actually looks pretty good. But um, if you get it with the, um, with the optional uh, spare tire, you can also you can get it with a tire inflator kit. Uh, so no spare tire. But I would not recommend that in general if you can, if you can avoid it. Um, if you get it with the inflator kit, then the rear cargo floor is several inches lower. Um, if you get it with the spare tire, the rear cargo floor is, is basically flush with the uh, bottom of the tailgate, uh, which makes loading fairly easy. But it also means that the, the cargo area is fairly shallow. It's only 18 cubic feet, um, which is not, you know, it's not bad. But compared to the Civic, the Civic has about 20, almost 26 cubic feet of cargo area behind the seats. So definitely have a lot less cargo area in this one than you would with the Honda um, or, you know, if you had a GTI or something like that, uh, which is also a little bit bigger. Um, so overall, you know, genuinely, genuinely nice car to drive. You know, it, it's, you know, it's not, like I say, it's not as sharp as a GTI or a Civic SI um, or, you know, or a Civic Hatch Sport, uh, Civic Hatch uh, Sport trim. Uh, but it is, you know, it's 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 more than adequate, and it's very reasonably priced. I traded that one back to Drive Shop for this other hatchback, which is a little bit larger, <laughs> um, a little bit more powerful. A scooch? Um, Would you say a scooch larger? A scooch larger, yes. All right. And uh, also uh, just a scooch more expensive. Uh, so, <laughs> in fact. Um, the, uh, the Maserati Levante Trofeo that I had that, that they sent over for me, um, one of the options on here, there was not, not a whole lot of options, but one of the options on this car, uh, was a special paint job that you can order. Oh God. Um, take, take a wild <laughs> guess how much oh, God. paint option was. Oh God. It's up to I you, Nicole. He already come- told me. This, this he is- already told you. So, so I was actually talking about this yesterday and I was in a car where the paint was like, was this crazy option? I don't know. Um, on oh, a Maserati, six thousand oh. dollars. Keep going. <gasps> no. Uh, this is the Fury Fury uh, Corsa paint in uh, Rosso Magma, so volcanic red, basically. Ten thousand. Seventeen thousand dollars. Oh my god! That's just, a car. Just, just oh my for the god. paint. <laughs> 17 grand for paint. That better yes. be the best GD paint oh. you have ever seen in your entire oh, it's, life. It's, fa- it's fabulous. I mean, it's this metallic red. Um, you know, and I, I talked to the, 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 the Maserati PR guy after I looked at this, uh, this uh, order sheet. And I said, am I reading this correctly? He said, yeah, this is, this <laughs> is, is a special, special option <laughs> oh, uh, special order paint. <laughs> Oh my! Um, they 17? do. It's it's, oh. hand, it's hand sprayed. They don't run it through the standard. Oh paint well, then paint. it's worth the seventeen. Uh, each, you know, they they do each coat. Uh, there's three base coats of the red. Uh, they do each coat. They you know they buff it, polish it, and everything, and then prep it for the next coat. So they do spray three three coats, and then the clear coat is a tinted clear coat. And when you look at it, I mean, it looks really like a really deep finish on there. Yeah. Uh, so it does look really good. Now. $17,000 good? Yeah, but it's made out of volcanoes. <laughs> yeah. Actual volcanoes were sacrificed Actual during volcanoes. the making of this paint. Yeah. But like, you know, we've been sacrificing far too much into volcanoes. They we're owe us. We're just going to sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Now we're taking it back. And we're, we're taking it back. Paint. Take that, volcanoes. <laughs> uh, you yeah, know, I, I, I was giving my daughter a ride somewhere earlier today before they dropped it off. And we drove past. Some, somebody had 
a Mazda CX-30 in the driveway in soul crystal red. And I'm, think, I'm looking really at that. Pretty. And while the paint on this Maserati was absolutely fabulous, I don't think it was as good as soul crystal red. Wow. To be honest. I got to really? be brutally honest. Wow. Yeah. The red, though, is really nice. I mean, the Mazda red is. is like the it's, best red that you can get. I mean, yeah. I, so it's hard to beat that. But I would, for $17,000, they better beat it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, we're talking about like how it looks, the color itself. The red on the Mazda is just. The, the, the workmanship that went into the Maserati, though. I mean, you have yeah. to get a bunch no, of No, I mean, I, I, I totally people. understand. I mean, there's a lot of labor that went into putting yeah. this paint on there. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of work. And, you know, it, when you, you know, when you consider, you know, the, the, the craftspeople that are working on this, you know, it, it is, I would fully expect it to be expensive. Um, but moving past the paint, uh, you know, this is a, you know, a midsize two row SUV. Um, you know, the Trofeo is the, the, the top trim level for the Levante. Uh, they have uh, GT and, and uh, a couple of other trims. Um, the, uh, the the base the, the GT starts. It has a three liter V six as, as well as does one of the other trim levels. This has a twin turbocharged three point eight liter V eight. And when you open the hood, you look at it, and you yes, this is an Italian V eight, a high performance <laughs> Italian V eight. When you, you look at it, it's got the red crackle finish on uh. the valve covers and the intake plenum, just like a Ferrari engine, like you would expect. You know, it, it as glorious as this engine looks, you know, they weren't going to do the kind of you know the the thing you typically find on almost all new vehicles where you open the hood and you just see this massive piece of plastic, plastic. that covers everything Ugh, that's underneath it's it. So horrible. It's like they want to show. They clearly want to show off this engine. Um, and in the Trofeo, uh, it's um, rated at 580 horsepower, uh, at least for the U.S. market. Um, for uh, in other outside of North America, outside of North America, it's um, 590 horsepower. I'm not sure why we get less, but um, the uh, uh, this engine, when you especially when you put it in uh, Corsa Sport mode, um, the the sound of this thing is just magnificent. You know, it, it's not like a it's not like a, a small block Chevy, you know, or a, a Ford Coyote V8. You know, it's a very different kind of sound, you know, and it sounds like what you would get, you know, from a Ferrari V8, for example. Yeah. This is not this is not a Ferrari engine, but it was, I think, mm -hmm. Ferrari assisted in the design and development of this engine. Uh, and so it's got that sound. It's not a flat plane crank, um, so it's only got a uh, maximum RPM of about 7,200, 7,300 RPM. Um, but it still sounds fantastic. Ooh. Uh, you know, this is a two and a half ton vehicle. It weighs just over 5,000 pounds. So this is not, this is not a sports car by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah. It does go zero to 60 in about four seconds, uh, 3.9, four seconds. Um, and it has a top speed of 187 miles per hour. Um, Cause why which, not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what SUVs are for, for going 187 yeah, everyone miles should be an doing hour. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it it's funny. You know, after driving the uh, the e-tron GT last week, um, you know, this does not feel as quick 
even really? though it's got it's got more power because it does you know even with similar levels of, of power you know the what you get from an electric propulsion system is that instantaneous response when you step on it and this you know because it's a turbocharged engine uh you know and it's it's not necessarily tuned for at best, you know, for the you know maximum low end torque, it has decent low end torque, but it just it's not the same kind of response you get from yeah. the EV. And so, even though this is a, a very fast vehicle, it doesn't necessarily you get spoiled driving an EV, you know, with the way it feels as opposed to you know the hard numbers. And yeah. so, it doesn't feel quite as quick as it is, um, which is actually probably for the best anyway. You know, you don't necessarily want to be driving a two and a half ton suv that fast um but you can if you want to um so uh it's got the zf8 speed transmission uh lovely interior this one had the carbon fiber package so you've got the the shift paddles on the back of the steering wheel are they're the style uh you know that you find on some high performance vehicles especially high performance italian vehicles where they're they're the big long paddles that are fixed on the steering column rather than you know right on the back of the steering wheel they're done in carbon fiber carbon fiber trim all around lovely beautiful soft leather everywhere alcantara headliner the all glass moonroof uh, you know all all that kind of stuff it's quite roomy in the back seat as well lots of cargo space in the back uh, and uh um it was actually surprisingly efficient i was expecting this thing to be just a complete gas hog and while this is no uh miata uh mm-hmm. you know or or, or prius <laughs> uh in terms of its fuel efficiency uh on a trip up to traverse city michigan on monday uh it averaged uh about almost 21 miles per gallon and you know over the course of the last four days you know i averaged uh about you know including some around town driving averaged about uh just shy of 19 miles per gallon with you know, for a two and a half ton SUV with 580 horsepower, that's not too shabby. From a big beefy V8 with all wheel drive, yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah, uh, one thing that I found particularly amusing when I was looking around, when I was sitting, you know, looking at the drive mode buttons next to the shifter. One of the modes is off road mode, which Did you know, <laughs> it, you know, it takes the air, takes the air, air springs and lifts it up a couple of inches. And, you know, I got out and looked at it, and I've got pictures of it, you know, in off-road mode. And you can see it's definitely riding a little bit higher when it's in off-road mode. But, and it even has hill descent control, you know, to help you when you're going down a, a you know, hill to maintain your speed, you know, so you're not, don't have to ride the brakes too much. Um, but, you know, this thing is riding on 295, 30, 22, <laughs> and 22-inch tires, which I'm just saying... Who's gonna take this thing off road on those tires? This is I, insane. This is for when you're visiting the friend who has the estate, the horse estate, mm-hmm. and when you get there, it's like a little, it's it's like a little dirt road, and you're like, oh. you know what? I don't want to ruin my seventeen thousand dollar paint job. Let me lift it up a little bit. So while they're driving, go. there's fewer, there, there's there's less of a chance of the the gravel smacking up my very expensive paint job. Yeah. Because you you definitely don't want to be dragging that paint job over some boulders on the Rubicon Trail. No, no, it's definitely yeah. Um, so, bottom line, you know the 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 total price tag on this thing came to one hundred and seventy three thousand dollars, or sorry, one hundred and seventy three 
uh, $550. Um, so this is um, not inexpensive. A little bit more than that uh, Corolla. Uh, just slightly more than the Corolla. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, close, close. I mean, they, close. I think people would be cross-shopping these. If you're a billionaire, those are the exact same price as far as yeah. They might as well be, yes. Yeah, they might as well be the same price. Yeah. No, no, no difference between the two. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was comfortable to drive. Um, you know, I spent multiple hours, you know, driving back and forth uh, between Traverse City and and uh, and my home uh, this week. Uh, did not feel at all fatigued, even though there was no massaging seats for one hundred and seventy three thousand five hundred fifty dollars. No massaging seats, but they were they were very comfortable, very supportive seats. All right, then. Did not feel at all fatigued, um, you know, and, uh, you know, it felt great. Oh, and unlike some, um, you know, fancy Italian cars of the past, there was no funky infotainment system. It was just a standard Stellantis Uconnect 5 infotainment system. So everything just worked. I plugged in my phone. Android Auto popped up. It, it was all just, it was all good. It all works. Worked. That's yeah. that's one of the selling points of the of the Lamborghini orders is it just has it just has a reskinned version of Audi's MMI. <laughs> it's just, Maserati it's, did not even reskin it. They're it like was just they know. straight up you connect five. Same thing you would find in a Chrysler Pacifica or a Jeep Compass. Yep. That's because they spend too much time trying to make the paint look pretty. Yeah, yeah, just put the put the thing in. Don't let's not that's not our that's not our thing. There, there was stand. a fancy analog clock above the touchscreen. But the, the touchscreen, you know, just <laughs> It just worked. Just let them, just just give them the thing that we worked. it works. People want it to work. Yeah. I don't think they're going to care. Yep. <laughs> All right. Did, did was there something you wanted to add to that? Me? No, no. Robbie. Oh. When I was getting into UConnect. Oh, you can. No, UConnect's fine. Yeah. I, I'm still sad about the VW Miata though. That I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know. I, I set you up some pretty hefty expectations for the two seconds that my brain typed VW Miata. I went. Wait, no. Nope, Mazda. I mean, for that for that half a second, it was in the show notes. <laughs> An MEB powered Miata that changes my entire like life. Like your whole life. Like, my would be my altered. entire my entire car buying plan right now would be completely altered. Like everything else. MEB <laughs> Miata. Yeah, everything. Ionic Five. No. ID Buzz. No. I'm just no. getting the MEB Miata, and we'll just keep the Kona <laughs> electric. That's it. That's all done. you want. Your life is done. That's all you Sell need. Sell the BRZ. This is done. <laughs> done. That's the, everything. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, 
and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. <laughs> well, as long as we're talking about MEB, yeah. uh, let's talk about the 2023 VWID4. Okay, let's. Um, the ID4s for the North American market, um, starting with the 2023 models, will no longer be sourced from Germany. Dun, they'll, dun, be dun. Built in, they'll be built in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga. Chattanooga. As, after they spent $800 million to uh, update it, they're building the um, the ID4 there now. Cool. And and it has a, 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 a version with an available lower price, less range, but a bigger touchscreen as standard equipment. That's what all the people want. Yeah, exactly. Bigger touchscreen. That's the I think I think we're 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 I think we're approaching the point where people who have who have had uh, electric cars like this is their second or third electric car and they're thinking you know what I don't need 400 miles, 200 miles is probably fine. You could be yeah. right. Do you think that many people are on their second EV? I, I, th- I don't think not, it's a lot not of people. California. Like California, no. I think that's probably much more likely. But yeah. I wonder if the rest of us. The rest well, of, I think the most rest of, of the people who own Teslas are on their you know that's second true. or third or yeah. fourth. That's Tesla. true. No, you're 100 percent right. I didn't think of that. Most Tesla people. You're and I right. think a lot of like a, model, a lot of Model S people, especially in 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 uh, the Bay Area, they're they're not they're not getting new model. They're getting Taycons. The Taycon has you know has less EPA rated range, but I think they're like you know I didn't really know it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and and the reality is the the real world range is actually comparable to the real world range of the Model S. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think this V. I think the the two. What what, what are they saying? It's a two hundred and eight miles for the low for the sixty eight kilowatt. I'm sorry, sixty two kilowatt hour battery. That's probably going to be more closer to like two twenty. The re, yeah yeah the way, the way Volkswagen does their their EPA uh, their uh, uh, it's a big word that I can't remember certification. Uh, Certification. There's another thing that they have to do. It's not, it doesn't matter. Anyway, they uh, they always take the the, the worst number. Is what, <laughs> what it comes down to. Uh, Volkswagen Group as a whole, when it comes to their EPA numbers, are like, what's the two no, what's the numbers we can have? Yeah, take the worst one. We want the worst one, and then it just you know. So when the people drive it, they're like, oh, I'm getting better than what I thought. They're all yeah. pleasantly surprised. I, yeah. I exceeded the expectation. Yeah, exactly. So the 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 new base uh, ID4, which is. Um, creatively called the ID4 standard. Uh, has, wow! Has a, has a Hope no one of, hurt themselves thinking up that name. Okay. <laughs> hey, at least it tells you what it is. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, no. What'd you get? Standard. <laughs> oh, all right. Cool. No, no nonsense with trying to figure out what Gran Turismo means. You know, <laughs> or, or pro. What? What is an ID4 pro? Yeah, interprofessional. You know what? Because you don't want the who would want the ID four amateur, which makes you feel like there should yeah. be that one out there. I'm like, I want the one that knows what it's doing. Yeah. <laughs> it knows. So it, it starts at thirty seven four ninety five, um, and of course VW is still eligible for seventy five hundred dollar tax credit, and it's now looking like the uh, the um, as we're recording this on Friday afternoon. Whatever the bill the, is called the, now, yeah, the Inflation <laughs> Reduction Act. It changes. We'll probably do anything but. Um, <laughs> that, that, that looks like uh, looks like yeah. they got enough people on board, and it's going to get voted on tomorrow. So perhaps by next week it will be law. And uh, uh, with this one, uh, you know, as we talked about last time, you know, the the changes to the um, to the incentive programs uh, with that new with that new bill 
mean that only vehicles that are built in North America would be eligible for incentives, um, and they also have to have a certain percentage of domestic content in the battery. And one of the other changes, in addition to building the ID4 uh, here in Tennessee, uh, they um, are also now sourcing the batteries from the SK plant in Georgia. Dun dun dun! Um, yeah. So no more batteries, no more LG batteries from Europe. Uh, they're getting SK batteries from Georgia. Uh, in all the all the, in both battery sizes, they have the the 62 and the 88 kilowatt hour battery uh, for the pros. Um, and and the uh, the 12 inch uh, infotainment screen that was optional before the 10 inch was standard, 12 inch was optional. That's down just standard across the board on all trim levels. So Massive everybody screen. gets 12 inches. Everyone gets so um, overall. I know they they fixed the infotainment system uh, according to y'all. Um, I haven't actually driven the ID4 since that's happened, but there is one thing that they did not change that they should have, and that is the rear windows. They still have yes. the little like rear button to use the same. Yeah, I I, I, oh. I downloaded the images. I explode. Yeah. I I, I yeah. enlarged and enhanced, and it's still when you're the driver, <laughs> you still only have two buttons to or two levers to open and yeah. close the windows. Well, and if you want to do the rear windows, you have to hit a button, <laughs> and then do the rear windows. It well, as, as I think as, as we talked, I think we talked about this last time, uh, or may, may, maybe I was talking to somebody else about it. But I think you know one of I think. You know, part of their future product plan is that uh, that extra button to enable the rear windows will become a subscription. Uh, you know, so you so you'll have to pay. Oh, you want to roll up five, and down five or ten five or ten dollars a month to be able well, to use the rear windows. So if well, you don't pay sure. for the subscription, <laughs> that rear work. window button just becomes inactive. Doesn't work. Yeah. Well, you want to roll up and down those rear windows while you're driving. Well, <laughs> Mr. Rockefeller. <laughs> Let me just just hit this accept uh, button on the touchscreen, and we will immediately start. And we charging will enable your, your windows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I downloaded. <laughs> I was like, all right, hold on, let me see what are they doing. And I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, Volkswagen, come on, <laughs> come, come on, because you're, you're only saving one button, really. You're saving yeah. one, one. I know. Thing. You know, I know mean, it's not. You're adding more. Com- ah, you're you're adding complexity. You're making it more difficult for people to figure out what to do. There's more steps involved, mm-hmm. and you're saving one button. And yeah, you're not one button. That one button, though. <sighs> A whole button. Oh wow! What are you gonna do? Um, oh, and and I talked I talked to Volkswagen. I, I just wanted to confirm, you know, if um, if the 62 kilowatt hour battery, if they were uh, just software locking the big battery. Uh, to 62 kilowatt hours, or if they were actually just installing fewer modules in it, and it is the latter. So there are actually physically fewer modules in that battery mm. pack for, to make the smaller capacity. Uh, so it'll be lighter. Uh, so it actually, and because it still has the same um, 200, uh, 201 horsepower rear motor, uh, rear axle motor, it might actually be slightly quicker than the extended range rear wheel drive version. It's the promise of MEB, modular. Yeah. You're like, I always pull some modules out. That's what the M stands for, is modular. It's right there. Yeah. There you go. It's, it's the modular MEB. <laughs> it's like when you say ATM machine. <laughs> um, what else do they got here? Oh, they've also added plug and charge functionality as standard cool. on, the, on the ID4s for 23, um, which uh, in theory at least means that you should be able to go to an Electrify America station, plug it in, and it should just automatically start charging and, and – uh, 
uh, bill you as, as needed. Um, and um, assuming that your local EA station is actually functional, it might even work. <laughs> I was just saying, you can just plug in, can you now? Can you they really? They were doing well, so well for a few months, and then it just like all fell apart again. I don't I know. Uh, there's probably like an Absolutely. update that went out and broke everything. They're like, oh, man. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, what else we got here? Um, oh, let's let's stick with BMW or with BMW with, with VW for a minute. <laughs> uh, too too many letters. Um, uh, so a couple of months ago, uh, Innoviz, which is an Israeli lidar startup, uh, made a big announcement. Uh, they were they were their first uh, production contract was with BMW to supply lidar for BMW for their level three um, partial automation system that may or may not sometime come out in 2023. It was supposed to come out in 2021 and then 22. Um, it may, may come out next year. Um, anyway, uh, Innoviz uh, announced last year, announced their, their next generation LiDAR sensor, which is going to be considerably cheaper. Um, it's supposed to be under $500. Um, and in May of this year, they announced they had gotten a deal, a design win from a, a major manufacturer worth $4 billion, which, assuming that their sensors are, in fact, $500 or less, it would mean 8 million LiDAR sensors. Wow. Um, and uh, they announced this week that uh, that customer for those LiDARs is Volkswagen Carryad, uh, which is VW's software division that's making all their, uh, all their driver assist and automated driving stuff going forward. Uh, for all the VW Group brands. Um, and this is supposed to launch in 2025, but... I like how, this is supposed to? You sound so confident. <laughs> well, the, the reason why I'm not as confident as I once was um, yes. is, you know, uh, we didn't talk about this last time, uh, but Herbert Dees, the now former CEO mm. of Volkswagen Group, yes, um, he was fired. Um, and apparently one of the main reasons why he was fired uh, was because of chaos at Carryad, um, which is doing all the software for all the VW Group vehicles. They're not just doing ADAS. They're doing infotainment and every all the software for all the cars. And um, apparently things are not going so well at Carryad. Um, and a lot of programs are falling behind schedule because of the software team there. Um, so it might launch in 2025. Maybe. Maybe, maybe twenty six, maybe twenty seven. You know, let's, Who let's knows? See. I, you know, I did a, I did a thing with Zooks a few weeks back, a week back, two weeks. I don't know. I did a thing with Zooks. They're making like uh, <laughs> those uh, ride hail, little autonomous, little robo taxis. Yeah, little robo taxis. They're making little robo taxis, and the entire time I was there talking to him, talking to the founder, and talking to the team, and I'm we're like, well, what's the timeline? They're like, ah, eh, we don't really want to talk about timeline. They're like, you know, it's it's close, but we don't want to talk about timeline. And to be honest, if you're working with anything that has anything to do with automation at all, or really just software, to be honest, <laughs> don't don't just don't give a timeline. Just don't, because we can all remember when 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 Ford's uh, when Mark Fields came up and like we're gonna have robo taxis at Ford's in 2019. <laughs> we're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Okay, it's, sure. But sure. 20, but but, but other people you know give timelines and miss them and still have companies that are worth 900 billion dollars. Well, that's, yeah, that's, I don't, well, I mean, they were, are they still worth that much? Uh, I mean, there's been a big hit to that, uh, that, it's been, been well, a big hit Well, it went back to, up in the last couple of weeks. Uh, all right. It was back up over 900 bucks a share the other day. Let's, let's and we're, we're talking about Tesla here. We're talking about Tesla, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know how much Tesla's oh, oh, it's down. It was down 6.5% today after they had their annual meeting yesterday. Oof. <laughs> Back down to 864. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's there's a... Still a $900 billion market cap. Yeah, it's yeah. still a very... Uh, it's still a company that's worth more than it should be, to be honest. Um, oh, yeah. It, 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 yes, should Tesla be worth a lot of money? Yeah. Should Tesla be worth this much? Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, heavens no. But, you know, I, the, the stock market is not the economy. The stock market a lot of times doesn't deal with reality. <laughs> There's a lot of things about but the stock the, market. But those, like, but those stock prices are, you know, Tesla stock price in particular is in large part based on the promises that Musk has made about, you know, self-driving and robo-taxis and all the revenue that they're going to generate from, the, you know, 20 million yep. robo-taxis. People just, uh, you know, at some point, people, I think folks, uh, they they buy in. And once you've bought in and you've put so much money in, there's no, you're not going to, like, back off. You're not going to be like, well, maybe he's right. Like, no, 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 it's going to happen. Because you have so much money invested. Like, you can't, you can't, you know, I have so much money invested in this thing. There's no way. Uh, these beanie babies are going to weave millions again. I, <laughs> I spent $500 on a bear. In 1990-whatever, I swear it's going to be worth money again. <laughs> For One the love day. of God, please let, cost theory, huh? please let it be worth money again. <laughs> or, or that crypto that uh, you bought, those NFTs. Oh, that's, a, that's a tough Oh, God. That wow, is a that tough was a rough market. one. Yeah. And, but you look at it like – I think when you're a journalist and you look at things, you're like, all right, this doesn't make any sense. But the average person doesn't like jump in and, and you know doesn't have a the the context for all this stuff that's happening and b doesn't jump in and just start researching stuff for fun, which is a weird thing that journalists do. I don't cover this, but I'm going to research the hell out of it. <laughs> and then you get you're like, yeah, this isn't a good idea. But if we had just had said, you know what, I'm going to sell one NFT for one million dollars and then walk away, we'd all be doing better. So we're not exactly geniuses, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well. Sp- Speaking of NFTs, I, I got a, a PR pitch from somebody today, um, you know, pitching uh, the CEO of, of some company. He was head of, head of NFTs at a company that shall remain unnamed. Uh, says uh, he'd be a great guest on Forbes, Wheelbearings, or Guidehouse Insights to discuss insight on breaking NFT news and its implications. And mm. I just responded back and said, look, NFTs are a huge scam, and I'm not going to give them any oxygen. No, thank you. Oh. Yes. Thanks, but no. Goodbye. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. you're so funny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, if you're an so, artist that's made a lot of money off of NFTs, I'm very proud of you. But also, yeah. people should just be buying art. It shouldn't have to be an NFT in order for people to buy art. You can buy prints. Like, here's print. Well, you can't see it. I'm pointing at thing. I'm pointing at things <laughs> on an audio podcast of artwork well, we right that, there. So that I've can bought from it? my friends. He's <laughs> pointing at a real thing, people. It's real. Like, yeah, you guys yeah. can't even see it. That's the thing. I'm pointing at a painting that my friend did <laughs> that you guys can't even see. <laughs> I gave him money for a print of his painting. Just do that. Just buy art. Yes, buy buy a print of a painting or a photograph or buy a sculpture or something. Buy, an F- buy something thing. physical. Yes. Yeah, buy something nice. For buy a physical object and put it in your your abode. You know, wherever you live. Yeah. Um, you know, and and sit there and enjoy it and show it to yeah. your friends when they come over. There you go. All right. Uh, um, I think we 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 were talking a little bit about automation, uh, so let's stick with that theme for a minute uh, before we get on to the last story. Uh, GM this week announced that uh, 
they were more than doubling the roads where Super Cruise works. And for those who don't remember, Super Cruise uh, is GM's hands-free driver assist system that is geofenced to only work on specific roads that GM has mapped and they feel that the system can operate safely on. Um, when they first launched it in 2017, it was about 130,000 miles of roads. They eventually grew that to 200,000 miles of roads, and it, originally it was just divided highways, limited access divided highways. Um, and the the the, pre, the most recent upgrade, um, it actually opened it up to some divided uh, trunk roads. You know, so like rural rural highways that are still divided. Um, now they're going from 200 to over 400,000 miles of roads, and the system will apparently be able to work on two lane roads like. Route 66, the Pacific Coast uh, Highway, the Trans-Canada cool. Highway. Um, Pacific and, Coast Highway is sort of, that's a bonkers. I, I think yeah. I don't, I, I, it's, a Pacific Coast Highway in L.A., you're like, okay, I can see that. Pacific Coast Highway in Northern California. Uh, yeah, I was just there a couple of weeks ago. I don't know that Super, how well Super Cruise, I would be interested to see how well Super Cruise works on there. Yeah. That could be a, a very interesting experience. I know that... The first time I try it, I will be keeping my hands very close to that steering wheel, hovering right yes. over the yeah. wheel. Absolutely. Um, one, you know, one of the things they did say on the uh, the call uh, for that is that uh, um, you know because uh, you know you've got these these rural two lane roads. Uh, some of the things that they will disable when you're on those kinds of roads, and because they know what the road is because they've got high definition maps, they 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 can turn certain features on or off. Uh, based on what road you're driving on, so if you're on a two-lane road, um, it won't it won't do auto lane change uh, or lane change on demand. You'll have to if you want to pull out to pass somebody, you'll have to do that manually. You're responsible for that. Or uh, if you're coming up to a traffic signal or a stop sign, uh, it knows where those are because they're on the map, uh, and it's also got the cameras. And so as you're approaching those, it will start flashing the light bar red and it'll say, Hey, put your hands back on the wheel. Uh, and you'll have to take control again, to, you know, so it's not going to automatically try to respond, uh, to red lights, recognize red lights or, or stop signs and, and bring the car to a stop. If you don't respond, then it will bring the car to a stop anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, it will, it will ask you to take control back in those situations. So that's going to be coming out. Um, on new build vehicles uh, this fall, and then sometime in the fourth quarter, they will start pushing out an OTA update uh, to all the all the vehicles that have Super Cruise on them. Um, and um, you know, by the end of the year, um, you know, all those vehicles should be able to operate with Super Cruise in many more places. Cool, nifty. I love Super Cruise, so that's cool. Yeah, cruise tactic. All right, one. Uh, one one last story before uh, we get to Q and A. Um, Toyota, um, ah, Toyota is, is is having a rough start with EVs. Wah, wah. Uh, um, they not long after they started selling the BZ4X and also Subaru selling the Solterra, um, they had a recall for them and told people to stop driving the cars uh, because wheels could fall off i mean really like the reason the wheels could fall off like you're thinking oh it's gonna be some technical thing that involves engineering and numbers and math but the, the wheels, wheels will could fall, fall off. off which is which is uh you know that's some that's a saying oh the wheels fell off on this, this situation literally the wheels are falling off 
<laughs> Literally falling off. Like, uh, no, we're not kidding. Actual, you, actual wheels and, falling off. You know, this, this this seems like it should be a fairly straightforward thing to fix. It's like, you know, bolts and whatnot. It, yeah, you know, just you, you don't even have to have people bring the car to a dealership. Just, I mean, there's not. They haven't sold that many of them. Just send a technician out with a torque wrench. Is this and, literally and what it is up. that they're not torqued I, on well enough? I don't, Does it say? I don't know. I'm they haven't to... said. They, they have. They have not said what the problem is. Why they're because why nuts they're or wait? This is. I'm reading the story from CNN, and it says because nuts or bolts could loosen, and wheels or axles can become disconnected. Like there's some sort of some sort of vibration system that's ro- pulling the nuts off if you do like sharp turns and acceleration, and we're just like. I don't know. Put up. I don't know. It's an EV. There's no. What's what's going to vibrate? I don't know. I don't know. This is this is a they very weird. Them, this whole thing like, is just stop really driving weird. It's strange. Don't drive your car that you just bought from us. Immediately don't drive it because the bolts that hold the wheels can loosen even after a relatively small number of miles, allowing the wheels to detach. Just drive it along. Whoa! Who lost a wheel? Wait, that was me in my brand new EV. <laughs> Toyota oh. doesn't know yet how to fix the issue. This is to- like Toyota's <laughs> this whole is deal weird. is like we build. We're Toyota. We build cars that last for millions of miles. Like but Top Gear took one of their trucks, stuck it in a, a building, blew up the building, and the truck still started. <laughs> and they're just like, nah, we don't know. <laughs> the wheels fall off, man. I don't know, it's EVs. EVs are crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, a, a few years ago, they they bought back a truck from a customer, a Tundra from a truck ter- a customer that had driven it a million miles. Yeah. Just so they could study it and figure out right. what did we do right on this thing that made it last so long, you know, so they could make sure that they incorporated all that into the new Tundra. Well, they didn't incorporate it into the uh, the BZ4X. I can tell you that. Apparently not. Apparently, yeah. You drive it. It's a twelve mile car. You drive it twelve yeah. miles, and then you just. And that's it. it. So yeah. apparently, the Subaru is only off the hook because with the Solterra, because they haven't delivered any yet. Oh, okay. So that's a, like that's according to a statement from spokesperson Jessica Tolman. Uh, she said in an email. So they haven't delivered them to anybody yet. So that's why we haven't heard the recall because it's it's not out there yet. So apparently Toyota is offering to buy back cars from some customers, um, you know, until they until they fix this problem. Can you imagine? They don't know what's wrong. It's not even like we're going to just take a little time. We got to get you this part. Here's your loaner. It's like we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Park your car. I mean, it's this maybe, all goes. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, maybe it's a problem with the the studs or the. I don't know if they're if they have studs and lug nuts or or bolts holding the wheels on uh, on this one. It but, says you know, bolts in this story. Okay, so maybe the problem you know is the the bolts themselves are defective and they might actually be stretching. Yeah, you know, so the, uh, they, the, the, the it might be a metallurgical sourcing. problem with the bolts. We, 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 we sourced our bolts from a recycling center down the street. It turns out uh, recycled Pepsi cans are not great for bolts. For they don't work. Who knew? Uh, this, is, this, this goes back to my whole like, theory that Toyota built this car the way uh, uh, you know, a sullen teenager is told to clean their room. They're like, I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to do a good Just job. Just shove everything Fine. in the closet. Uh, if I have to, I'll do it. Fine. Whatever. We'll we made the rev. We made the. You know what? We made the Prius. Why are you guys hassling us? <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of like. You know what? We made. We made Leave hybrids us alone. cool. Yeah. Give us a loan. We made Get more hybrids than everybody else put together. Yeah. We have the Rav4 Prime. Like we just, come on. <laughs> <laughs> like. Uh, fine. But you know wheels. Wheels are okay. So the story also says only 260 BZ4Xs have been delivered so far. So this is like only 200. 
It's, so it's like, yeah, 268 in the grand scheme is a very small number of people. So I can see why they'd say, like, if they, I, this doesn't say anything about the buyback. It just says they'll give you a loaner. It's funny, though, that of the 260, it's a big enough problem. They're like, oh. Right. <laughs> so like, only it's not 260 like one. on the road right. are 200. And they already like... found this problem. Right. Yeah, because, yeah, it's enough of them that they're like, oh, crud. Oh. Everybody, stop. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, man. What should we do Still, about that? I don't know. Yeah. I'm back, I guess. Just throw some money at it. Throw money at the problem. They're not even going to drive it. Toyota dealers will pick up customers' BZ4Xs, bring them to the dealership, and provide a free loaner. Like, they're not even going to, like, don't even drive it to your dealership. Get out of that car. We'll send a flatbed. We'll send a flatbed. This is serious. That means seriously. It must be an issue that they're like, crud. What are they giving them as loaners? Because they they, they make enough cars. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. They need to find two. Yeah, what are you getting for a loaner when there's no vehicles out there at all? They're all just around. I I was just (laughs) going back through uh, my notes um, from when we were at the Toyota headquarters in June. Yeah. And uh, Bob Carter was talking about uh, sales and and their inventories. And, you know, this was was right at the end of May. And he was talking about, you know, for for May, you know, we were – Gonna, they were expecting to have between 173 and 174,000 sales for May, and at that point, they had 12,600 cars in inventory, which is like two days supply. Nothing. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know their sales, Toyota sales were were down quite a bit in July, simply because they could not get enough vehicles. They did not. Mm-hmm. They had nothing to sell, and so yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll. Uh, Go buy some used cars or something to uh, yes. you know, go down to the local Mannheim auction and they buy a couple the, hundred cars and give those to as loaners. They have the courtesy vehicles, and I'm assuming each – I don't know how many each dealer has. Maybe two, maybe three. But a lot of these are probably sold in California. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah. So so know. they're sort of concentrated in one area. It's not yeah, like, it's like, like over the whole I'm country. assuming like half of them were probably sold by Toyota SF. <laughs> Yeah. They're just like, oh no! The Toyota SF like like They're general manager's like, oh, looking God, around. He's like, what do we got? What do we, what do we do? got? <laughs> uh, we have this. <laughs> There's a Corolla in for a new tire. So, Tim, give him that. Give him that. <laughs> so, some somebody just traded in a 1990 Camry. Yeah, there uh, you go. Let's clean that up and give it to him. Let's put some. <laughs> it's gonna be all these random used Toyotas. <laughs> like, what, what, what's going on? Uh, all right. Poor Toyota. We're sorry, Toyota, but this is kind of funny in its own little way. <laughs> Toyota's going to be fine. They can't sell. They yeah. can't make enough Toyota. cars to sell. I know they're That's selling so many cars you know, they can't even make enough to sell. They, they survived the sudden acceleration uh, recall ten oh, years, yeah. years ago, which is more significant than yeah. wheels. It's way worse. That was, that was, that was many millions of cars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that yeah. Yeah. this is two hundred and sixty. Easy, yeah. easy peasy. I would like Toyota to just like take a second and be like, you know, maybe we should just do this ourselves. Let's just do a really good job and make a really good EV. Let's look at what we're doing and then just apply that to EVs. How about we do that? Just apply it. Because we're not going to be first because we're far from that. We're not even going to be like fifth. We're going to be like last. But when we come out with the Supra EV you just and, wait. It's, and it's killing it's killing everyone, not killing like it's awesome, not like actually killing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> then we're going to be heroes. <laughs> just do that. Just like take a step back and say, you know what? Let's just get some smart people, or, put them in a one GR86 building. EV. A GR86. Oh man, that would be awesome. I'm now. Now I'm rethinking my my so, MEB Miata is your, stance. Is your VW Miata no longer an option? Uh, I don't really fit in the Miata, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> GR86 EV though. Whew. 
All these the vehicles you could use, their, it will never happen. With their fake manual transmission that they're built, that they patented. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's probably why they patented that to make an electric one. I just there you yeah, go. just just you know, you know what to do, Toyota. Yeah. All right. Um, so the reason I drove the um, the Maserati up to Traverse City, Michigan this week, I was at the uh, the management briefing seminars, which is a big annual conference put on by the Center for Automotive Research. And while I was there, I had a chance to sit down with Olabisi Boyle. Uh, Olabisi is the uh, she is the uh, VP of Product Planning and Mobility uh, at Hyundai Motor America, and um, we chatted about a whole bunch of stuff with EVs and um, charging infrastructure and Hyundai Home and Evolve Plus, which is their subscription service that they're playing with, that they're experimenting with EVs, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I'm going to drop that interview in right here, and we'll be right back with some listener Q&A. Hey, everyone. It's Sam. This week, I was up in Traverse City, Michigan for the Center for Automotive Research's annual Management Briefing Seminars Conference at the Grand Traverse Bay Resort, and uh, had a chance to sit down with Ola B.C. Boyle. Uh, B.C. is the Vice President of Product and Mobility at Hyundai Motor America, and uh, so she basically oversees all of the product planning um, strategy uh, for the company uh, for for North America, really, uh, at least for the Hyundai and, and Genesis brands. And uh, we sat down uh, for a chat about uh, Hyundai and, and where it's going, what what they're doing. Um, really interesting conversation with BC. Um, sorry about uh, some of the background noise. We were sitting in the lobby of the uh, Grand Travers Resort, uh, and uh, there were some families around, uh, some kids in the background. I've tried to suppress that down as much as I can, but you can still hear the, the conversation pretty clearly. So uh, enjoy. Just want to, I want to chat about um, about you, your role at Hyundai, how it's the first couple of years have been, and then kind of some of the challenges uh, that the, the company is seeing and, and trying to address as you move into this era of electrification. Yeah. So uh, let's start off with you've been with Hyundai two years now. Yeah. You've, and you've had a, a good career, you know, across the, several different companies. Like mm-hmm. you're. FCA, you were at uh, Ford, Ford and Visa. Uh, and Visa. Uh, so you got some different perspectives. So right. let's, let's just start off with with Hyundai, and you know what that's been like for you. Uh, you know how how has your time at Hyundai been so far? You know it's been the, uh, the best time to be at Hyundai, mm-hmm. and um, for a couple a couple of reasons. So. Um, so, one, I wanted to, to, to join Hyundai because it had a pretty dynamic leadership team under Jose Munoz, right? That, that was one piece. But then when I got here, I sort of discovered uh, we have a transformational vision from our chairman as well. And um, how the last two years, what that has been is helping bringing all those pieces together to where we are. And now I'm noticing, I was talking about it when I first got here because I, you know, it was New discovery for me, mm-hmm. but now I sort of feel other people are noticing as well. Yeah. And so, what? Why the, the last two years have been so great is, um, so I'll take it take it in chunks, right? So there's a there's a piece of it. Let's talk about on the EV side, right? So you know, at the time when I first got here, we had uh, the, the EVs that we had were Ionic and the Kona EV, right? And so 
um, actually, Hyundai's been both, in the both EV really business. good vehicles. Exactly, yeah. Hyundai's been in the EV business for mm-hmm. for a while, so that's one piece of it. But then, so now that I'm here, now we're at the point where we have the eGMP platform, right? That allows us to spawn this Ionic Five, Ionic Six, and one day Ionic Seven. And so I got to be part of the launch of the Ionic Five, and everything that that comes with, you know, with the and then. The thing that I love about this, not only are we bringing the technology, we're bringing the consumer experience. So on the technology side for the EV, you've got, you know, the charging 10 to 80 percent in um, 18 minutes, the 800 volt architecture that enables that. You have 300 plus AER. Um, you have all of that on the technical side, right? Then we've also thought about the features on the interior. So part, part of my role also is making sure that we have the North American voice for the vehicle that's going to be launched here. So I routinely go over to Korea and we review all the Genesis vehicles, all the Hyundai vehicles, and I give the North American point of view. And we're a large part of the volume for Hyundai. Mm-hmm. And so um, our, our voice matters a lot. And so um, they, you know, you work with the engineers that are de- designing the center console, which by the way are women, man, man, <laughs> just a side thing. Um, uh, um, that are designing the center console and designing the um, uh, uh, heads-up display and, the, and everything that goes along in the interior that makes it an experience for people. So not only do we come correct with this technology, but we're also bringing the experience piece. The other piece of my role that I get to do here from the North American standpoint is, all right, you have the vehicle, you have the technology, you might even have the experience piece. But I have to drive that thing every day. Mm-hmm. I have to take my t- child to daycare every day. So am I going to have a place to charge? Or is my building going to have home chargers? You know, maybe I live in an apartment. And so what was great under um, um, Jose's leadership, we have this what we call the MECA Committee, uh, Mobility, Electrification, Connectivity, and Autonomy. And in our MECA Committee, we brought in a couple of things. And so on this experience side. So one of the things was, how do I buy this vehicle, I hear these EVs might cost more. And so one of the things that we wanted to do was uh, uh, EV subscription program, which mm-hmm. we call Evolve Plus. But we wanted to make sure that our dealers are involved. One of the things that I feel is really great about our approach is we, want to, we see the dealers as our partners in this EV transformation. Mm-hmm. And so um, what we got to do is work with some dealers to launch the Evolve Plus program such that you have, and we have to work with, in, in conjunction with our, the business unit, our um, Hyundai Capital, mm-hmm. so, um, so that we could make this pencil for the consumer, pencil for the dealer, pencil for HMA, also pencil for Hyundai Capital. And so that took some coordination, but everybody was willing to do that. We got um, great dealers to work with us. We got um, Hyundai Capital. And what we did is we found you can come in, put a credit card down for a month, Try before you buy. You get the um, uh, Electrify America um, two years uh, um, on your Ionic 5, two years um, uh, free charging for 30 minutes. And so we had to work with the Electrify America on that mm-hmm. piece of it. And which is the self, which we'll come back to. Yeah, 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 big, yeah. Big piece of the puzzle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's part of the experience, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because some people have their home chargers at home. Some people are like, well, when I'm at home, I'm not at home, where am I going to charge? And, and let's, let's try to um, optimize those opportunities for our consumers. And so um, we worked um, collectively to launch that with dealers, and we had so many learnings from it. You know, people could come in. Also, a little bit during the trip towards it was a, is a new sales channel, channel and an easy way to try this, and if it didn't work for me. And now we're having, because it's been going on a little bit now, 
conversion where now I don't want to just subscribe to it. I want to actually buy this mm-hmm. new EV. But it was also maybe when we're also going through uh, the chip shortage, an opportunity for maybe a gas car. And um, and so it lets people who maybe would have never considered an EV like, ah, this thing wasn't so bad. And while I'm waiting for maybe the car that I came in for or whatever the case may be. So we have Evolve Plus. That was uh, from a subscription and a new sales channel opportunity. Um, in a way that works and pencils for consumers in a, a price range that they could, could work at. Um, uh, then Hyundai Home. So this is how do I bring the eco-friendly life? Create an entire ecosystem around the car. Right. Which is so, something that's worked great for Tesla. Right. You know, getting, right. getting people with um, the, the Tesla solar panels and exactly. the, the power walls and the car. And because else. all of that is, a lot of people, they do their research. How do you bring all those elements together? So with our ability, can we bring all those elements together and make it sort of easy for you? So first was launching our Ionic 5 which we did in quarter this year. Second piece of it is going to be the home charger. So that, that's the most key thing, you know, that's the, the, out of those four elements, the charger and the energy storage, charge, uh, charger energy storage, and solar panels, energy storage, I mean, the charger is, is important. So with that, we're going to launch in about a couple of weeks here. Mm-hmm. And then um, the third piece of it that we want to launch in third and fourth quarter are the, um, the energy um, um, uh, storage the home battery and that right and then that you have at home right mm-hmm. so when your electricity goes out you know if you have a thunderstorm and driver sitting um, <laughs> that, that happens and um, and then um, the fourth piece will be the solar panels and so what we also want to do is make sure we have a variety of um, vendors that we work with so there's many options for our consumers so we've launched it in pieces we didn't want to launch it all at, at one time because we're also again working in partnership with the dealers on that so then there's the Hyundai home piece again the, the experience we know we're coming correct with technology the experience matters so that we have Hyundai home we have Evolve Plus part of it was when we first launched um, with Electrify America on Kona and Ionic we were kind of testing it out we found out what people really wanted they liked the two years um, they liked unlimited for 30 minutes all that and so we put that on the Ionic 5 now we're going to bring it to Genesis and we're moving that on so we'll have that but we'll probably also work with with other partners as well. Because the idea is, when we talk about challenges for EV, is I'm afraid that it won't go far, and then what am I going to do? I'm afraid I won't have a place to charge it. I don't know how I bring this to my house. How, so can we take care of all those other pieces? The last two years have led us through our NECA committee really sort of make inroads in bringing that, that piece together. We definitely have the, the um, technology piece. But then, now we're learning, I just got back from Korea last week, now what we're doing is we're looking at our future vehicle, is do we have the platform that allows us for all sorts of segments? Because after a while, when you're in the car business, you care about the drivetrain, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it always is a problem. But most people are like, look, I, I just want a car, and if this one saves me some money and gas, that would be good enough for me. Right. You know, that, I mean, that's, you know, yeah. everybody doesn't think necessarily as, as we are in, in the business. And so um, what we want to do is you have a vehicle that works for you in your life in the segments that you need, whether it be car, purpose-built vehicle for cargo or for medical emergencies or whatever the case may be, or is it SUVs or whatever the case may be. And so what does that platform allow us to do for you in interior spaciousness, in interior storage? So the way you use your vehicle 
most people won't even care whether it's EV or not EV, mm-hmm. except it saves me on some gas. Yeah. And so it needs to be a vehicle that works for me, not just any kind they, of vehicle. They, 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 want, they want to know that every day when they need to go somewhere, they it's going to be ready for them. Without any problem. Right. And so they that's, press the button, it goes. But they also want things that people expect in their car, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. And so what we're doing is making sure they're features people want, features that resonate with, pe- with people, features that make their life easier as they go along. And we have our discussions and, and debates to make sure that that's something that will work for North America. Because it's a little bit different for Korea, it'll be a little bit different for Europe, and so on and so forth. And um, so I, I find that there's a lot more upfront planning to make sure that it's not just an EV for EV sake, uh-huh. or even to meet uh, the mandates and the um, um, climate regulations, right? But it needs to meet those. But on top of it, does it meet the consumer needs? It's a vehicle that works for them, and they're like, that adds stress to their life. Right. And so th- th- what's been great, you asked me, sorry, long answer to that question. <laughs> no, that's great. But over <laughs> the two years yeah. is to sort of help it sort of with the team get to that point, working with the team in Korea, working with my team here, to sort of bring it, to bring those pieces. We really had to understand the challenges. We really had to understand the consumer. We really had to try some things. We had to partner with our dealers. We had to partner with other business units. And, you know, I maybe this is wrong, whatever, but I, I, I laugh a little bit because now they're like, you know, I'll get texts from friends because I've been in the auto industry a long time. I worked at Ford. I worked at Chrysler. And, and now I'll get uh, even Visa friends that are really into cars and, and they'll... Um, They'll send me these texts, and they're like, wow, every time you get... And might I say, Ionic 5 won. World Car of the Year, EV of the Year, Design of the Year. I love stuff design. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Well, I was in Korea last week. You know, I, got, I, uh, I saw Sang Yup while I was over in, in Korea last week. The, um, we, we've just taken design to a new level, both on Hyundai and Genesis, uh-huh. right? So, again, a vehicle that looks good, people still care about that. <laughs> a vehicle that looks good, whether it's EV or, or, or not, and, so, and the fact that it's EV, all, all the better. Yeah. And um, so we had the, the opportunity. Even when we came out with, with um, our ICE vehicle, our Santa Cruz, uh-huh. look at the design on that. Look at the design versus other competitors. I would have to say, maybe I'm a little biased, um, but that's a sport activity vehicle that um, you know is Instagram ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it is certainly more stylish than a Maverick. I will give you that. Uh, I didn't mention any competitors. I think you did. And well, um, I didn't say who was more stylish. Than the, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but it drives. Well. I don't know if you mm-hmm. had the opportunity to I have, drive. I have driven it. it yeah. Maybe I'm a little biased, but I also think it drives and handles a little better with that 2.5 liter um, servo. And so um, even from, I call it taking care of today and taking care of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have our Palisade family vehicle, right? We have our Santa, uh, um, the Santa Cruz, um, which has great appeal. But, um, by the way, one in appeal <laughs> um, mm-hmm. in best in segment um, recently. And, um, and the, uh, but then we're, any responsible company should taking care of the future and the future does involve EV but the other piece when you talk about joining the company and why I was saying I had mentioned the, um, our visionary chairman earlier is okay so we have our EVs we've laid out a platform we have future platforms coming that'll take us in, in, in segments that meet everyone's needs in terms of EV but we also have hydrogen uh-huh. right and so and to think people and I remember conversations I'd have earlier when I first got here they're like well, you know, the hydrogen battle is over. I'm saying, have you seen the climate objectives that we have to meet? It won't only be solved. Maybe those can be in commercial vehicles. But you, you need to develop technology. It's, it's not a one or the other. Uh-huh. We have significant goals that we want to address. So we've already come correct on EV. 
Hydrogen is further back in the infancy of its journey, mm-hmm. but we've made some parts. We have our Nexo, we have our Exient um, truck, um, and then um, the, we're also looking at eventually new technology again. Our, our, our leader's vision in our joint venture with Motional, uh-huh. right? And so we have um, our, our, our Ionic Five that is in our Motional that's going to be autonomous vehicle uh-huh. that we're looking at um, and have some opportunities in Vegas to sort of run that around. And then and now uh, San Diego exactly, and Santa Monica. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So here, here it is. Uh, Hyundai. So like I said, I get these texts and they're like, I'm, I'm like, I've been telling y'all we've been doing this for the last two years. Y'all just catching up. <laughs> and so um, the uh, so you have your EVs, you have your um, in terms of mobility, you have your hydrogen, mm-hmm. you have your autonomous vehicles, and then we're bringing robotics into mm-hmm. it, right? Um, you know, you have some opportunities where maybe you can have a um, uh, basically uh, uh, um, an autonomous vehicle, but because of robotics, has legs. Let's you climb up a brownstone in New York and settle itself down so someone can roll a wheelchair into mm-hmm. it. It's aligned with our progress for, for humanity, where we want our technology to sort of serve people. Um, it also uses our robotics technology. And then, you know, as we recently you know, bought um, Boston Dynamics. Mm-hmm. And so, from a perspective over the last, last two years, the mobility solutions to actually meet progress for humanity, the mobility solutions to make us into a smart mobility company, the new channels that end up getting set set up as new ways to buy and sell and pay for EVs that we're working on, and the leadership that allows us to be as progressive and innovative to, to do that and make the deals with EA and make the deals with Shell, mm-hmm. even, that wants to move into hydrogen and, and set up hydrogen stations. We're going to start out in California um, so that we can collectively meet these, these climate challenges that we have. I mean, it's just been like a fabulous two years. I don't know. I look for another two more years. <laughs> okay, question number two. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's great. I love that. It's, Sorry. No, you know, it's it's great to just you know be able to ask a question and just let you let you run with it. No, no, it's fantastic. I mean, you covered a lot of a lot of areas, and you know, I think a, a big I think a big theme out of all that mm-hmm. of what you just said was um, around the experience, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, there, there's so many aspects to experience. You know, to the user experience of the vehicle, mm-hmm. the ownership experience, the buying experience, mm-hmm. um, and Let's let's start with the kind of the buying experience. Mm-hmm. Dive into that a little bit more. Um, you know, one of the challenges for for the Hyundai Motor Group mm-hmm. over the last several years, really, even even before the the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, you know, had some really great EVs. You know, going back to the the Ionic and and the, the Nero and the Kona, uh, it was availability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there simply weren't enough of them mm-hmm. uh, available. And I know from conversations I've had, you know, with, with people in the company, uh, you know, going back to 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because of constraints on battery supply, I think mm-hmm. was one of the big ones, mm-hmm. you weren't able to ship as many of those EVs to North America as maybe mm-hmm. you would have liked to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, focus, uh, prioritize some of the supply for markets like Europe, where, the, you know, the mandates required more EVs. Mm-hmm. Um, what... What is Hyundai Motor Group doing as far? I mean, are, are you are you do you see uh, a path to where that availability challenge? Because mm-hmm. I know I've heard from a lot of people over the last what, six eight months since the the Ionic Five and, and, and its um, siblings have launched 
you know, that they'd love to check one out. They can't find one anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is there a path to when availability of some of those vehicles is mm. going to be improved? Yeah. One, it, it is improving. Okay. Um, you know, we have, I'll, I'll tell you, we have um, these governance meetings that are led by um, uh, Jose Munoz and now uh, Randy Parker. Mm-hmm. And um, one of our key challenges is discussing that availability. What's been great is because we've done so well in North America, we have a lot of um, opportunity now to work with our colleagues in Korea to prioritize some of that North American Get some more allocation. Exactly. And we're doing, and that's really, and and the leadership in in Korea has really been supporting us with that. And now part of it was kind of overall capacity constraints. That wasn't just a North American issue, you know. And so a little bit that hasn't completely been resolved, but we're we're improving in that way. Mm -hmm. And now, especially with the way North America has performed, we have a lot more opportunity to sort of you, you've, dem- you've demonstrated that people here actually want to buy these vehicles. 100%, so 100%. Some more. So there's the, uh, the, the opportunity. I'll let Randy and, and Jose talk about exactly how much. But where we are is that is an improving situation as we go forward, for sure. Okay. Um, then, you know, the, the other piece, you know, once the vehicles are you know, available from dealers, mm-hmm. the dealers themselves, you, talk, you mentioned the dealers numerous occasions during mm-hmm. the, that first uh, question. Um, you know, one of the complaints you hear a lot from consumers, mm-hmm. uh, especially particularly around EVs, mm-hmm. is that a lot of legacy legacy OEM dealers mm-hmm. maybe not so thrilled about selling EVs, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. the they think oh, I'm not going to get as much service revenue after sales mm-hmm. and things like that. And sometimes you know they try to push people towards internal combustion vehicles, even mm-hmm. if they come in looking for an EV, mm-hmm. um, or you know maybe they're they're not as well educated as they should be mm. about the EVs, you know, to answer questions for consumers. Mm. What What's being done to try to improve that situation, mm. to improve the experience for customers that want to shop for an EV? Mm. So, you know, you talk about a little bit of the evolution of, um, since I've been here over two years. So when I first got here, I wouldn't say everybody, but it was more what you described. Mm-hmm. Maybe not everybody being so excited about <laughs> the electric vehicles and, and selling them. What I found over that evolution over two years, I literally just had a conversation with um, our one of our regional um, GMs in um, the uh, Chicago area, and it was mentioned that um, when you got when BC, I get when we talk about how excited everybody is about these electric vehicles, you know, the pressure on me where this dealer will call me and say that I can't get, and you gave more to that one and you gave this and to that one. She goes, oh my God. Like every time you, like, (laughs) because what we have is we have these um, ongoing monthly touch points with our dealer council, but then we have um, like quarterly and we're about to have one in September with the all dealers and and, and NAD, NADA. And um, I will say the evolution of of time, and I've actually, um, um, with the head of of, uh, um, the dealer uh, NADA, and definitely I know both the heads of our dealer council, both on the Hyundai and Genesis side, that sort of mindset is really opening up. On they see the benefits so much so they see the benefits they're arguing and fighting with each other over who gets the electric vehicle because this is the thing. as we transition to the, on this road to electrification, and you see that there's new sales opportunities and new sales channels associated with EVs, and I think one thing of benefit of working with Hyundai is 
we see the dealers as our partner in this. Because when the um, not early adopters who can afford really expensive EVs that came out at first, um, but the people that need kind of to get to work every day, uh-huh. they're going to go into the dealer and say, how does this work? What does this work for me? That's where they'll find out about Hyundai Home. That's where they'll find out about subscription for a while if you don't want to like make the investment and get a lease or whatever the case is. That's where they're going to find out, oh, this is how you bring a charger to your house. This is how I can help you out with this. So we know the dealers are partners, and we have shared this evolution in our thinking and our strategy and what our lineup is going to look like to where the evolution from when I joined uh, two, from two years ago to now, that attitude of I don't want... There are partners in this now. Even the most, um, let's call it skeptical, I see, you know, we'll be out and we'll have our, our discussions. And the same people will kind of be like, mm, I don't know about this, are not talking like that now. They're like, BC, when's the next one? When can we get our Ionic 5? And I'll be like, okay, let's talk to Randy. <laughs> so now they see the consumers actually want them. Yes. They're, they're starting to change their attitude. Yes, and they see the opportunity. They see the people that are walking in to even ask about it and try about it. And so now it's about training. It's about do you have your charger set up so when they come in? It's about do you have all the guidelines so you can meet and get your Ionic 5? Because we want requirements. If you, if this, is, this is now something that you have to almost qualify. Five mm-hmm. to some degree. It's just like, have you got your charges in place? Have you met these needs? Have you met that? Do you have someone who can talk intelligently about what how the EV is going to work and how it's going to work for consumers? And they're like, I got on my list. I got. I'll have you now coming to me, and they're like, Oh, beats! I got my chargers in. It's like, <laughs> like, like, they're, and that did not happen. Yeah. Two years ago. Okay. Um, speaking of chargers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is also a pain point yes. for a lot of consumers. I mean, if you, if you can, I mean, most people, at least today, anyway, you know, half, somewhere between half and two thirds of consumers have, have the ability to charge at home. At they've home. got off street parking. Um, but when you want to take a longer trip or, you know, for, you know, as you, as, as the market expands and you get, you know, into the, uh, the used car market, you know, and people that are buying older EVs that, don't have access to off-street parking. Um, they're going to be relying on public charging infrastructure, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're aware that today um, it's not where it needs it's to be. It's not where it needs to be, both in terms of um, availability but reliability. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, you'll get the end of my, one might be yeah, broken. I, mean, I, it's I went, not worth. I went to my local EA station last week with, right. a, with an EV that I was I was driving um, that was nominally capable of charging at 270 kilowatts. Mm-hmm. I plugged it in. On a 350 kilowatt charger, mm. and I got five kilowatts. Mm. You know, mm. that is not an acceptable. Of course, and, of course. And, and that that was on the one that was working. The other one was completely offline. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I, you know, I've talked to a lot of people, and you know, this is a not uncommon problem. Right. Is there anything that Hyundai is doing you know, in terms of your relationships with EA or other charging network providers mm. to? Put some more pressure on them, or, or something to to help them, you know, to, to address this problem. So there's a, a couple. Of, you talk about the infrastructure piece. There's also uh, working with government piece because it's great to put the mandates out that we need all these EVs, but we need to also have the requisite structure so that we don't have the issues that you just discussed. So we. Again, part of our MECA committee. One of the things that we do is, and working with our government relations office, um, is what are we doing to locally? We're based in California, locally in California, but throughout the states, explain what we need to do with infrastructure. 
when we go into new things, like because we're doing this on, on electric, but also hydrogen. So that's why we need to deal with Shell to develop 50 new stations in the California area and sort of work on Project Neptune to see what we can do with that. Because we don't want to just develop the technology and then now make a demand that's really hard to get. So you have to work with partners like Shell and EA and we'll work with others. You have to work with the government so they understand what's re required to do that. PHEVs are important. HEVs important. The reason I find that is because it's, everyone wants to go straight to BEV. But... This is also a culture and a behavior change for people. I'm used to, I go to the gas station, the gas station in every corner of the cases. Maybe I do HEV first, then I maybe I'm pull to a plug-in HEV, and then I move to um, battery EV. So we also want to work with them to understand the transition as we go to mass adoption is important. By the way, infrastructure as we go to mass is important. We're going to partner with every um, um, opportunity of, uh, for infrastructure from a shell to an EA that we can because we want to make sure it's available for our consumers. We're also going to use our opportunity to influence them as we need to make sure that they are all maintained when we do make that, 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 part, that, that partnership. Um, um, so you've got the infrastructure and then the, the awareness piece. The awareness piece. So how do we make it through our app so you know where all the locations are? How do you, also on an awareness piece is how do you make it so that I didn't realize that there was places I could charge? Because some people think they can only charge at home. Mm -hmm. That's another place the dealers come in, yeah. right? And on, on explaining all that. So the infrastructure, the awareness, the working with government, the partnership. Have you put some those. signs up with those EA stations, you know, that stick up above the SUVs that you can know where in the where in this parking lot is that EA charger? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, you, you know, every gas station's got a forty foot sign in the air, you know, but. And so that's not a that's not a very technical you know uh, solution, but it's a it's just a common awareness yeah. thing that people need and communication mm -hmm. that 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 is needed. Again, I do think in all of this we have to understand. I call it the road to electrification. It is a journey. Mm -hmm. I think if you and I are having this conversation five ten years from now, especially on the electric on the not so much hydrogen but maybe the BEV side, we'll be like now we have a met much more infrastructure yeah. or the cases, but. We had this conversation back probably when I was at Ford Price 10, 15 years ago. We had nothing, and no one was working on EV and all of that. So I think we have an opportunity. Yeah. I want to be mindful of your time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no so I just want a uh, couple couple more things. Uh, one, on fuel cell. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got the Nexo out there. It's a, it's a great vehicle. Um, there's, what, maybe about 45 hydrogen stations in California right now, roughly. Um, do you... Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, Hyundai's also got the fuel cell trucks. Yes, Excellent. You know? um, and I think we're going to start deploying some of those in North America this year. Mm -hmm. We've had them in Europe for a while in Korea. More on a demo tech yeah. basis, but yeah. Do, do you do you see fuel cell being a part uh, of the solution for light duty vehicles, or is it something that's going to really be focused more on the medium to heavy duty market? I I think. Uh, there's more opportunity, um, especially because you want to get the infrastructure to support, support it, on the medium to heavy duty yeah. market. That doesn't mean that we want to forget light duty, mm -hmm. but I think if you build up the infrastructure for that, that'll help it now mm -hmm. to, to, to scale down for, for the... Um, you have more um, opportunities to scale when you, when you do that. And so that's why we want to look at those opportunities. Now, that is... That is behind in the journey from BEV. But for our collective universe, we're going to need all of these yeah. <laughs> to make this work. It, it, you know. 
it won't just be BBB and passenger cars. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I remember I, I wrote an article when I was writing for Autoblog 15 years ago. I wrote an, wrote an op-ed piece, you know, saying the end of the, uh, the, end of the petroleum monoculture. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, you know, monocultures in, in any ecosystem are always a bad thing. Right, it's right. It's always un- unreliable. And, you know, the, there's, we, we're going to need multiple kinds of solutions, solutions. To, to do this. Um, one last topic I want to address that uh, I don't think you, I don't think you brought it up at all is software and services. Mm-hmm. We're getting into this era of the software-defined vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, and you know a lot of car companies are talking about you know new generating new revenue streams mm-hmm. on software and services. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't heard a whole lot from from Hyundai mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that an area that, that you're absolutely so we, we you know we have connected car and, and our GV70 yeah you've got Blue Link and yeah, we have Blue the new brand and then in, in our GV70 in Korea we do have um, in-car payment mm-hmm. right and so we're looking at the solutions there I wanted when we bring it to, to North America to be a solution that really works for, for, for people here um, but this is this is the key thing I see this strategically as getting the technology in the stack such that when the use cases become available they're there. I'm in my new, I don't know, uh, cool sport activity vehicle, EV, and it's Instagram ready, and I'm sitting there, and gosh, I would love this cup holder that looks like my Santa Cruz, shaped in a certain way, and I can 3D print it, and I can voice activate it and pay for it from the, the digital credit card that's in my head unit. So there's going to be use cases, or I'm going through and I see the, I drive by the dry cleaners and I'm able to say, oh, pay them on the way back, on the way passing through. And it just hit me because I was driving by my dry cleaner. So how do I make those services in the, in the car? I can easily pay for them via voice. And so that's one opportunity. Um, and then because of that, do I now have merchants and sellers that want to be on my head unit screen because of that, like they were on, on this big screen? But in such a way, before we have autonomous vehicles, that it's safe and I'm not trying to manage your phone and drive at the same time. Um, are there ways for different features that we can download on demand that are not features that used to be there before that people expect and now they're mad that you're charging them for it, um, but features that didn't be, that weren't there that help you with your productivity that maybe you didn't ever have in the past, but gosh, it would be really useful for me. And, but not everybody wants it, but I want it and I'm willing to pay for it or I'm willing to subscribe to that or I'm willing. So there's lots of opportunities. So what I want to do while we're doing that is make sure that the technology is in the stack to accommodate those use cases so that once the use cases come, which I feel in the next two, three years, they will, um, we're, we're, we're good to go. What I don't want is like, oh, such and such has come up with XYZ. So now let's run and try to get that. So let's get the technology that enables that to, to happen and then the use cases that um, help people be productive while they're in the car, help people get their kids' homework done, help people pay off their dry cleaners, have people order this or that, have this delivered when they pass this, like, I can order this, um, I can get the tickets because I just heard the um, Taylor Swift concert and I, oh, the tickets are there and I can just order them and, and the things that you happen to be in your car while you're doing it. And it's a use case that you're able to pay for. And then features that allow you to do that on a continual basis that not everybody wants, but if they do want it, they can download it to their car, feature on demand. Okay. So uh, can, can we expect to see uh, $14 a month heated seats from Hyundai anytime soon? Not for features that um, <laughs> people already are used to and used to yeah. get the old-fashioned way. That's there good. will be new use cases. Yeah. Trust. Oh. Okay. Great. 
Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been you. a pleasure talking to you. Oh, good. Good. Thanks. All right. Let's answer some listener questions. Um, let's see. So first up uh, oh, from Gupta AJ, uh, he uh, has a question about uh, dealerships. Um, could you discuss the law around needing dealerships? And is anyone looking at doing away with that requirement? Would you please? Would you be nice? It would be nice to use the ridiculous. <laughs> would be nice <laughs> to use the ridiculous delivery charge to have the vehicle at least delivered to my door as ordered and at the listed price someday. <sighs> is it technically laws, or is it all contract stuff between OEMs and dealerships? No, there are laws too. There, really there are, are laws, there are and, laws. And the problem with this is it's it's all at the state level. So, so there's fifty. There's there's fifty different laws in fifty one. different states. Wow. So yeah. some laws and sorry, this this was not from Gupta AJ. This was from Wes. Um, oh. AJ had a different question, but at any rate, the um, the laws in some states they allow manufacturers to sell directly to consumers. Places like California, um, but. Like in California, for example, they only allow manufacturers to sell direct to consumers if they don't already have any existing franchise dealers. Um, the The franchise dealer system goes back to the early days of the auto industry in the early 1900s, when manufacturers, you know, things were a lot different. You know, manufacturers were churning out cars, um, and they had to figure out. You know, how are they going to sell these and start get some cash flow to pay for the parts and pay pay their employees and everything? And so they came up with the, the franchise dealer system where basically the manufacturer sells the car to the dealer. The dealer puts up the money. You know, they pay for it. And then they turn around and sell it to consumers. And they handle service and delivery and all that stuff. And it was good for the manufacturers because it allowed them to have – more steady cash flow, you know, get the money coming in once, as soon as the car was built and delivered to the dealer, they get paid for it, and then they can move on and build more cars and deliver more of them to dealers. Um, and the problem is that, you know, dealers were quite successful with this model. They made a lot of money, and they um, donated a significant chunk of that money to state and local politicians. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> who, in turn... Wrote laws to protect those dealers that were giving them all this money, and they said, you know, they said that you know for manufacturers that okay, you've got these these dealers that have invested all this money in your dealerships and your parts and your service uh, and everything, so you're not you're not allowed to compete with them anymore. You can't sell directly to consumers, and the laws are a little different in every state, but that's kind of the the gist of it. Some states do allow manufacturers to compete and sell directly. Um, but most, uh, or let's see, in about half of states, they only allow them to compete if they don't already have dealers. So when Tesla came in, they had no dealers. They were, they went ahead and set up their own company owned stores and, you know, other, other companies like Lucid and Rivian and, and VinFast are doing the same thing. But that also means that in some states where they're not allowed to compete at all, whether they have dealers or not, like Michigan, for example, um, they they can't have uh, company owned retail outlets, and they you know they in turn cannot sell cars directly to consumers in Michigan. If you're in Michigan and you want to buy a Tesla, you have to go online 
order your car, and then go to Ohio or Illinois to take delivery. You cannot take delivery in the state of Michigan. It's illegal. Um, is anyone looking at doing away with this requirement? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because Long and the, short, no. The, the dealers still donate a lot of money to politicians. Mm-hmm. And as long as dealers, as long as, as long as we have a system in this country where people donate to pay for campaigns, um, you're going to have stupid laws like this. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that Tesla has their uh, manufacturing facility in Texas, a state where they can't actually sell the vehicles mm-hmm. they'll be building in Texas. Yep. They're like, well, I want a cyber, well, maybe not a cyber truck, but another vehicle that's actually for sale from Tesla. You got to go Oklahoma. You have to go to Oklahoma to buy yeah, it. Yeah, you have to leave. The whole time you got to sing the songs from the from the musical Oklahoma. That's the law. Oklahoma. Okay, that's all I got. <laughs> and, that's all I got. That's all you want to hear. Trust me. And you know, as far as the the ridiculous delivery charge, yeah, really, you know, even if a manufacturer doesn't break out the delivery charge, they're building that into the price. I mean, you know, yeah. there there is a there's an inherent cost to deliver vehicles. You know, you've got to put them on a truck or a train or a boat, you know, and ship them somewhere, and that costs hundreds to thousands of dollars, depending on where they're coming from. Um, and, you know, so that's going to be factored in somewhere. You know, I, I, we've talked about this before. It shouldn't be a separate line item. It should just be built into the MSRP because yeah. if it's not optional, then it shouldn't be broken out. Right. It's not like you can say, I decline. I'd like to go pick it up at the factory. Yeah. Yeah. I want my money back. You know, that doesn't work. You I'm know? curious if, if that, like, aligns with, like, if, let's say someone builds an EV that's, $59,990. In California and in New York, you can get a state tax credit on that vehicle. But if the delivery charge is a different line item, I wonder, I, I should probably should have looked into this before I start talking. But if that's a different, if that line item is different, does that mean that car is still valid for that state level tax is credit? It, is it a $60,000 threshold for the tax yeah, there's credit? A six, yeah, there's a $60,000 threshold. Usually those things are based on MSRP. Uh-huh. And since the delivery charge is not part of the msrp like the 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 this new you know the uh, the inflation reduction act the new the new federal tax credits it's based on msrp so so they don't um they don't count they don't, the they don't include that uh in there um, but interestingly the first company that is actually while the the delivery charge is not included in the msrp general motors no longer actually when they, the advertised prices for their vehicles include the delivery charge. Good for them. You know, if you dig, if you dig in, you'll see the MSRP is is actually a lower number, but they they never talk about the MSRP anymore. They talk about the de- the price as delivered, uh, which is good. I'm I'm glad to see them doing that, and I'd like to see everybody doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. And if you if you got to do some weird accounting shit in the background, you know, to say that you know it's a separate line item, but you know we're not going to talk about that line item. That's fine. fine. You know, just tell people what it's actually going to cost them. AJ, uh, <laughs> he, had a, he had a tweet. There was a picture <laughs> or a little video clip, um, you know, uh, on a beach. Oh, okay. I guess uh, he's asking, you know, this, he's looking out from somewhere onto a beach somewhere on a nice sunny beach and just says, <laughs> this or Michigan. Um, and... I don't you know, even know where that's at. That could be like behind him. There could be fires. There could be a war. Yeah, but I'm like, exactly. yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with that. <laughs> yeah, I like I mean, this. Yeah, the, I'm going to also the, go with that. The, the video clip, you know, looks looks lovely. You know, it's a lovely beach. Um, 
you know, and I would certainly wouldn't mind spending time there, but I would probably rather live in Michigan because we don't have earthquakes or fires or, um, yet. or droughts. Not details, yet. details. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Uh, Jay Barnett asks, uh, really would love to better understand the apprehension from automakers to limiting vehicle speed. It's become almost as taboo as something like placing a limit on the number of bullets a weapon can, will hold. Well, Volvo actually, um, you know, to their credit, is is actually limiting vehicle speed to I think 111 miles an hour mm -hmm. on their new vehicles. Ridiculous! No one should be driving that fast. But no, yeah. let's let's carry on. <laughs> but yeah, they're 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 limiting their vehicle speeds. Uh, I mean, you know, that Levante, you know. 187. Is, is anybody going to really gonna drive 187 miles an hour in that thing? It's, it's all it's marketing. It's it's yeah. Re, yeah. It's it's, it's like, about I, bragging rights. Yeah, it is. It's it's mine's about, bigger than yours. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. The reality is, you don't need to be going. You should not be going 100 miles an hour at any point on the road in the United States. Period. Done. And it's, and you also don't need to go zero to 60 in two seconds. Yeah, it's also but it's a nice. Weird thing. I mean, but, but it's, it's nice. also bragging rights. But it also, you've yeah. how many people are doing launch, launch control after they've had their car for a month, or they, a like week, they, or a week? You're like, yeah, I did some launch control. Well, let me get on with the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah I've played with that. I'm done now. Next. Yeah, you're yeah. like, yeah, I don't. It's it's it is it, it is literally for, marketing and bragging. Yeah, I mean, for for what it's worth, you know, I think most manufacturers are actually limiting the speeds. Um, at least compared to what they could do on their EVs, um, just because they want to make sure that they still get a decent range. And, um, you know, the aerodynamic drag goes up as a function of the square of, of the velocity. So the faster you go, you know, if you, um, you know, if you double your speed, you, your aerodynamic drag goes up by a factor of four. Um, so, um, you know, EVs are very susceptible to, to aero drag, which is why, you know, when you're driving on the highway, your range drops off pretty dramatically if you're driving at, you know, 85 versus 65. Um, and uh, so most of them are limiting the speed of their EVs to, you know, not much more than 100. There are exceptions, of course. But. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I know there's a whole sect of the automotive journalism industry that doesn't believe that speed kills. They're like, oh, it's speed. I'm like, well, that's just physics. It's the sudden change in speed that kills. Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. well, if I'm going really fast, it's like saying, you know, falling doesn't kill you. I'm like, yeah, but eventually you hit something. Yeah. <laughs> like the fall, the act of falling the, doesn't kill you. It's the sudden you. deceleration. It's when you hit <laughs> something. It's the same thing yes. with driving. And I, I, it's, 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 it's really I sort of eye-rolling whenever you, you encounter that. And I'm just like, oh, you're just... I don't know. It's, it is bragging rights, and the reality is you can have a lot of fun going up to 60 miles an hour, to be completely honest, in a car. You do autocross. I mean, you're never really going that fast. Mm -hmm. But you're doing, like, but you're going to have a lot of fun doing autocross. Um, so it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's the, the people are going to, they're afraid there's going to be backlash, because of course there will be. And there'll be op-eds, because of course there will be. And then something about freedom, because of course there will be. There will be. <laughs> but freedom. Like, yeah, but we're already limiting the, a lot of things on vehicles, but uh, whatever. And, you know, I mean, what you could do is, you know, you could do like what GM does with Super Cruise. You can geofence it so that, you know, if, you're, if you've got a high-performance car, you're taking it to a track day mm -hmm. and you're on a racetrack. Oh, yeah. Open it up. You, yeah. you can unlock it there. 
You know, Knock so, yourself you know, out. Go crazy. Knows That's where you what are. track days are for. Well, maybe not yeah. too crazy. Mm-hmm. Don't don't throw it into the gravel. But, you know, if, you're on a, your if, if you're on a public road, you, you limit it to, you know, say 90 miles an hour maximum. Yeah, I think 90 is a nice, There you go. I think 90 is yeah. a good number. Because there's a yeah. lot of places where you can do 70, and there's places you can do 80. And there are sometimes you're, you're you know, if you're out running the cops, you're going to want to be able to do 90. <laughs> yeah. At least 90. You don't need to go any faster than 90, to be completely honest. Anything above that, it's just, that's just that's just dumb. You're just being dumb. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If you're out running the cops, <laughs> or or the mob, or the y- or the yakuza, or you know anyone who you've angered, maybe uh, a, a spouse, <laughs> you don't really need <laughs> to go faster than ninety. Just drive. What you do is just drive into a parking uh, a parking structure where the helicopters can't see you, and then you ditch the car, and run away. The end. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> the end. <laughs> and there's your story. That's, and there's it. Your That's story. the end. That's All right. it. How to get the last one. <laughs> Last one comes from and that. Uh, what would it take to make wagons cool again? Is there an EV1 plant from any of the big manufacturers, or is everything just a crossover now? No one will think they're cool except for automotive journalists <laughs> forever. <laughs> Wait a minute. I mean, Whoever said wagons were not cool? Wagons have always been cool. Wagons have always Only been cool. Only if you're an automotive journalist. You're either an automotive journalist or a deep enthusiast. Automo- like, you just love all yes, cars enthusiasts. That's it. That's, that's it. Nobody else us. wants a wagon the anymore. Rest, it's just... The rest of the world are like, oh, I don't know if I'm out. Like, no, wagons are awesome. And they're never yeah. going to listen to us because we all just keep saying how awesome wagons are. And you know what? Mm-hmm. No one will sell wagons no because they can't them. sell them. Volvo's like, hey, we're going to sell some wagons. And everyone's like, uh. <laughs> except for <laughs> us. We all got excited. We're like, yay, wagons. And then they, everyone else, like, we all did nice write-ups on the wagons. They all got great reviews. And nobody bought them. Nobody bought them. So guess what? No wagons. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the only person I ever knew that bought an Acura TLX wagon was, was a journalist. <laughs> See? See? You have yeah. proved the point. There you go. Uh, Dan Pond had yeah. a TLX wagon. So the, the, the space, uh, Volkswagen had the Space Vision EV wagon that they showed off at the oh, LA show. Oh, that thing was gorgeous. It was yeah. beautiful. And then we had a talk with, um, with uh, oh, my God, what's his name? CEO of Herbert Volkswagen. Herbert not Herbert, uh, uh, Volkswagen US. He's now doing Scout. Oh, Scott Keogh. Scott. So we had a whole conversation with Scott. And at some point, he's like, I think he's like, I think that people, at some point, kids are going to be like, oh, SUVs are the things my parents drive. And they're going to look at other vehicles. And I, 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 I like to think that's true someday, hopefully, fingers crossed. But so far, it's not. And we don't yeah. have the Space Vision. <laughs> yeah. Space, space. Awesome, awesome electric wagon coming. So. Yeah. Oh, America. Uh, part maybe, of, you know, maybe part, we'll get some someday. Part of the fun of going to Europe is just staring at wagons because over there, wagons are huge. <laughs> yeah. Forget all the sights in Europe. I'm no, like, I'm just, just here to stare at the wagons. Just Thanks. here to I'm look at wagons. On this bench. No, I'm good. I'm good. Just I'm give good. me another coffee and go sit here and watch the wagons. What is that? Parthenon of <laughs> wagons? <laughs> I love wagons. They are, they are great. I mean, they have all the, all the benefits of a car with some extra cargo space. It's everything you want. Yeah. My favorite it's car perfect. was was my was my WRX wagon. It was a wagon that went fast. Yeah. And it all wheel drive. It was outstanding. I could I could auto <laughs> I could rally <laughs> and then also go to Home Depot and pick up some mulch. Exactly. <laughs> You'd be surprised how much mulch you can put in a wagon. There you go. Yeah. You don't need a truck. You just need to do your rally thing and then go pick up the mulch. Yeah, pick up the mulch. Yep. I don't All right. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> Let us say goodbye for this week. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.